If you love fiction, true crime, and true stories from around the world with a little bit of history, then welcome, welcome. This is the place for you. Welcome to the LP Experience, a place for you to kick back, relax, and enjoy some real-life stories as well as fiction stories. I'm your host, LP. Oh yeah, let's go. Welcome to the LP Experience. I'm still your girl, LP. P and I am so excited as usual to have you here with me today. How are you doing? How's your day going? I don't know when you're listening to this, but I'm recording this in the afternoon, so my day is going pretty good, pretty well, pretty fine, pretty smooth. And I just want to say before we go into today's episode that I am so happy at the response that I have been getting. I am so happy that you have taken your time to listen to my podcast episodes because I've gotten so many positive responses and so many reviews and i am so excited and if this is your first time here welcome to the family if you've been here before welcome my friend and this is a storytelling podcast if you are new here this is a place for you to just kick back relax and listen to wonderful stories from around the world and also my fiction stories because i am a writer and today's episode is different from what i have been sharing with you today is about the murder of Cynthia Osokogu. This happened way back. It's not a recent story but it's a story I feel should be shared and it should still be people should still know about the story because it's not as popular as it um, is meant to be in my opinion and this is a story that I am so excited to share because this is one of the few solved cases that I know of in Nigeria. A case where we're able to know the people that committed the murder. We're able to know what caused the murder. We're able to know every single thing about the murder. And so I just feel like this is something that I should share. And before I go into it, I just want to put a disclaimer that in no way am I meaning any disrespect to anybody that might be related to the people involved. I am just sharing this for educational purposes because there are so many lessons that one can learn from this story. So if you are into true crime, if you are curious about what happened to Cynthia Sokogu, then let's go. Cynthia Kogosu was born on the 10th of November 1987 in Abor Town, Delta State. She was the last child and only daughter of her parents, retired Major General Frank Osokogu and Joy Rita Inkem Osokogu. She had three elder brothers. Her eldest brother is Flight Lieutenant Kenneth Ukechuku Uchechuku Usokogu. Her immediate elder brother is an assistant superintendent of customs, Mr. Williams Osokogu. Her third elder brother, Mr. Tony Azubike Osokogu, lived in Greece. She started schooling at Command Children's School Ilorin and moved to Command Secondary School just from 1997 to 2004. She was a graduate of English language at Nasarawa State University and was pursuing a master's degree in public administration in the same institution after resigning from a job with MTN. Cynthia was also a former model. She owned a boutique um, named Dress Code, which she opened in Kefi, a town in Nasarawa State in 2007. She was described as hardworking, loving, and industrious by her family. She had achieved much, much by the age of 24. So now, with all this knowing about Cynthia, the question is, what happened? 
So it all started with Cynthia developing some friendships on social media. Um, it started with Facebook after chatting with a newly added friend called Opumi Echezuna Wabufo. And that was okay she so she started talking to okumi echezona Wabufo on bbm that time bbm was still a thing over the pace of about four months and soon she had also friended his cousin ezike ilechuku olisa eluka even though she already had a relation in the united states who often sent her goods to sell in her retailing business they told her that they were in the same business that they were also retailers and they offered to sell her the same items at a cheaper price she believed them. I mean, who wouldn't believe them? If someone comes to you and tells you that this, the items you are buying, they, they can sell those same things to you at the same quality and for, at a cheaper rate, you would be interested. So this young no- man seemed normal and promised to host Cynthia when she came to Lagos. What Cynthia didn't know was that Nwabufo had been stalking her for months, patiently gaining her confidence through frequent chats and posting. When she informed them she usually comes to buy goods in Lagos, they made arrangements for her visit while promising to help her get the goods at cheaper prices. The trip was organized by Echezona Uwambufo, one of the two new friends. On July 21, 2012, Cynthia flew to Lagos from Abuja to meet with these new retailers regarding the better price offer on the clothes and accessories for her fashion boutique. After landing, she called her mother to tell her that she had arrived safely. She got to Lagos and the two young men picked Cynthia up from the Motala Mohammed International Airport in Ikeja and drove her to Cosmilla Hotel in Lakeview Estate in Festa Town. At the hotel, they entertained her and offered her a Ribena brand drink, which was actually drugged with Rofinol, but discovered the drug did not take effect quickly on her. After that, they beat her and asked her to review where she kept her money. They presumed she would hold a lot of money, but she said she didn't have any money to spare. When they didn't get any money from her, they tied her up, robbed her of all the money she brought to shop for her business, her three Blackberry phones, jewelries, international passport, a driver's license, then they raped her and finally strangled her to death. The next morning, after having spent the night with Cynthia's body, they then quickly abandoned her, left the hotel and quickly unfriended her from their Facebook friends list to remove any trace of their connection. Unknown to them, there was a hidden CCTV camera in the hotel which recorded part of the event. According to the hotel receptionist, her name um, is Miss Ifeinwa Injebu, the two checked in at the hotel at 8 a.m. on July 21, 2012. By the time they checked out, she had handed over to the second receptionist named Vivian who had taken over duty so she asked her to check them out. They checked in again, but this time with Cynthia at the hotel at about 12 a.m. on July 21st, 2012. And when Ms. Njebu resumed the next day by July 22nd, Vivian handed over to her and gave her details about the room already occupied. The room that Ms. Njebu checked in the hotel, the room that Ms. Njebu checked in the couple was to expire on July 22nd, 12 noon. After the two left in the morning, his brother came to take over the room. So she noted that, and she was also aware that the other person was still occupying the room. Ms. Mrs. Njebu routinely called all the rooms in the hotel to ascertain those who are still in and those about to check out. After some time, she saw Nwambufo coming down the stairs. Ms. Njebu asked Nwambufo after calling his room to know if he was still staying. 
When Owan before reached down the stairs, he told her that he would be staying behind but that she should permit him to withdraw money from the ATM machine to pay for the day. When he told her his girlfriend, in this case he was actually referring to Cynthia, was still upstairs, she didn't go to check. He was not a regular guest at the hotel. He assured her that his girlfriend was there with the room key. Ms. Njebu told Mr. Nwabufo to return to the hotel before 12 noon when the payment for their room would expire. He didn't submit the key to her. Only Sayeloka came out from the bar and they both left the hotel. She never saw them again. At about 3 p.m., she received a phone call from one of them. The caller said he was the occupant of the room who left recently and that he was not coming back and he instructed her to remove the idiot out of the room. She replied him politely to remind him that he promised to come back and pay for the day. He said he was not coming back and dropped the call. Ms. Njebo informed the hotel's manager about the development and he assured her that since the caller's girlfriend was still in, she would pay for the room. So the manager told her to call the room through the intercom. She called many times but there was no response. The manager went upstairs, knocked several times but he also didn't get any response. The hotel management directed her to use the master key to access the room as a last resort. So she went upstairs, knocked again. After no one, after no one responded, she used her master key to open the door. And from the door, she saw Cynthia's lifeless body lying naked on the bed. She was lying horizontal with her legs touching the ground. She screamed with shock and rushed downstairs to inform the manager who alerted the police. From the CCTV footage played to her by the police, Ms. Njebu identified Mwabufo and Olisai Loka. She was able to recognize the duo when the police brought them to the area E police station in Fester Town, Lagos. After the hotel found her body, since her ID cards and mobile phones had been stolen, they could not identify her immediately or call friends and family. Her body was deposited in a morgue in Lagos. this time, unaware of Cynthia's mother, her family and friends were praying for her safe return. Meanwhile, Cynthia's mother, Mrs. Osokogu, tried calling Cynthia's cell phone for five days, but her phone was switched off. On the seventh day, she recalled that one of the men picked her call and told her that Cynthia was sick. Not too long afterwards, they implied that Cynthia had been kidnapped and asked her mother for 20 million naira ransom. Cynthia's mom asked them if they killed her daughter and they said no. She was just sick and couldn't come to the phone. The phone, wa- the phone call was traced to Festag, and there, her missing person's police report was submitted to the Area E command in Festag. This enabled her family to trace her body to the morgue and also led them to the hotel. The police in Lagos delayed the release of Cynthia's body to her parents for burial because they had intended to carry out an autopsy on the body at the Ikeja General's Hospital morgue. Police commissioner, The police commissioner revealed that the path. path Pathologist was still working on the autopsy, which was ongoing at the time she was identified. Eventually, her body was released for burial and she was laid to rest in her hometown. After one month after Cynthia was laid to rest, the trial commenced at Yaba Magistrate Court, Lagos, on the 27th of August 2012. Six people were arrested at the beginning of the investigation. Olisa Iloka, Mwabufo, um, both of them were identified as the Facebook friends. Others were 
The pharmacist who sold the Rofinol to them, his name was Osita Orji and Nonso Ezeke, which is Olisai Loka's brother, who actually assisted and helped them to sell the BlackBerry phone of Cynthia. So the, the six of them were, they had a charge of conspiracy, murder, um, rape, armed robbery, and, you know, everything that they did, they were all trialed for that. So the trial commenced with the prosecution calling um, Wabufu and Olisa Eloka, and they were charged with conspiracy to commit murder and felony. So the pharmacist was charged with negligently selling the Rofinol tablets to Ezike without a doctor's prescription and without showing due care. Which, if you ask in my opinion, many times when we go to the pharmacy, we buy drugs without the doctor's prescription. So um, maybe he didn't know that they were going to use it to drug somebody. You know those kind of things because most times even up to now people go to the pharmacy they have a headache they just go to the pharmacy and say i want this i want that and they won't go with a doctor's prescription so there's no way the pharmacist would know that they want to use it for evil but anyway i think this is just a lesson that try and get your doctor's prescription before buying anything you know so that it can be in the clear and when the first defendant was arrested he confessed that he knew what he did and that everything was over um it's actually very interesting to note that one of them claimed to be her fiance he claimed that cynthia was his lover and it was actually in war before he claimed that cynthia was his lover and that they were planning to get married before her death he said he met her at shoprite mall in lekki in 2011 when he went for shopping while she was also shopping at a fashion shop so he was totally dismissing the allegations that they met on Facebook. He added that when he met her, she was making inquiries, so he introduced himself to her, and she did the same, and they exchanged contact. He said they developed friendship after exchanging addresses and became very close since then. But there was no evidence to this his claim. He said that Cynthia was his fiance, and he was she was going to introduce him to her father, saying that they were lovers. But the story was found out to be false because false because under the cross examination he could not even tell cynthia's birthday which see this is a lesson for guys that don't know their girlfriend's birthday i mean see although we know he's lying but i mean imagine if he was telling the truth and just because he could not say her birthday he got persecuted for that so he it was considered false because he could not tell cynthia's birthday the name of her mother her hometown he could not even say anything about her which is very weird because, I mean, even though he was not her boyfriend, this is somebody he was chatting with and he was stalking for some months. So during his whole stalking process, he didn't even get those information from all that they are just. Anyway, thank God he didn't remember any of that because they were, they, even though they pleaded not guilty, they were found out to be guilty and they both died by um, hanging on um that was in 2017 march 23rd and you know it's just sad to see that you know see the, the internet has a dark side and i think now many people are even coming to terms with the fact that there are predators out there there are people looking for people 
to there are people they're just dangerous people out there so one has to be careful about the kind of things you do the kind of people you chat with chatting with random strangers one has to be careful the information you give them and sometimes if something sounds too good to be true most times it is it's just so sad that Cynthia was a victim of you know the of this dark side of the internet but I think we should all be cautious when it comes to the internet and how we use it and how we talk and interact with other people on the internet we have to really be careful like i said be careful about the kind of information let there be privacy some people don't even give room for privacy they let out their information they let out everything on social media you know it's easy to stalk you because you post your every move on social media it shouldn't be so one should be careful and it's just so sad that cynthia's case was like that but i'm so happy i'm always so happy when the there is justice being served because that just gives one hope and i'm happy that you know her story has been told and that the people didn't go out scot free because there would have been nothing more sad and disappointing and even depressing than knowing that this kind of things happened this kind of thing happened and they were not brought to the book the killers were not found out in fact, if I can remember clearly, the police were wondering, because this was not the first time of these men doing this thing. They had done it to a couple of other women. Yes, they had done it to a couple of other women, but none of the women, the women even came out to testify, which was what added to their case, you know, going the way it went, because when the women came out to testify, but none, they had never killed any of the women. Cynthia was actually the first person that they had killed. And the police were wondering why. Why did they kill her? Was it the frustration that she had no money with her? Was it what? What could have been the reason why they killed her? I really have no idea. Maybe they expected her to come with so much money, and the frustration just made them take everything out on her. But it's just sad that she was a victim of this. And anyway, um, like I said, I'm happy that justice was served. So don't forget to follow me on social media at the op experience and i would love to hear what you have to say about this case do you have any advice for other people or you know advice on how to stay safe from predators on social media and until next time bye bye thank you for listening to the op experience i hope you enjoyed the story for today but you know what we're not going to leave it here Mm -mm. I want to hear what you have to say about the story for today. Don't forget to visit me on my social media at The OP Experience on Instagram. And let's continue the discussion over there. Until next time, bye.